Good morning and welcome to Faithbrook. My name is Eric and I am the next gen pastor here. We're so excited that you came and joined us in worship today. Well, if you're newer here, we would love to be able to connect with you. If you're in person, you can grab one of these blue connection cards in the chairs in front of you and drop them in one of the offering boxes as you leave today. Or if you're joining us online, you can fill out a connection card on our website. Once you've done this, one of our staff members will reach out to you throughout the week, and we are so looking forward to connecting with you. Well, here at Faithbrook, we have four main focuses, and one of those focuses is on the next generation. And wasn't it so great to hear all of the kids come up and sing songs to Jesus? Thanks to all of you who have given to our mission here, we're able to do things like this and support the next generation and lead them all closer to Christ. So thanks to all of you who have supported us through giving. Well, we would love to invite you to come back next week for our Christmas Eve services, which will be at the same time of 9 and 10.30. And we'd love for you as well to bring someone to come along and join us in worship on that special day. And then the following week on December 31st, we will not be having any services as we will be taking that day off as a thank you to all of our staff and volunteers for all of the hard work that they have done throughout the year. Well, today we are continuing our series in All I Want for Christmas, so let's welcome up Pastor Jim. Well, good morning. Thanks for being with us at Faithwork this morning. It's a special Sunday with all the kids. Maybe you're watching online. I hope you got to view our kids uh, through the internet. We are one week away, almost one week away from the big day, right? It's a beautiful time where we gather families. We slow down. We take some moments to just gather, maybe open some presents. It's a beautiful thing. And there's a lot of anticipation in the air. I know everyone's trying to get set and get, get ready for that, that weekend and that holiday for Christmas. Well, part of the Christmas is kids, and a lot of times kids always want something. Maybe your kids or grandkids have been asking and hoping and believing for something, and there's been a tradition in America that some parents would have their kids write a little letter to Santa and ask for their gifts or their treat. I have a couple examples of that, of some children writing Santa. Dear Santa, what I really want for Christmas is a turtle because turtles are the coolest. Another one, dear Santa, all I want for Christmas is a bunch of police stuff. I want all the stuff, like handcuffs and tickets and a police car. Make sure it's a real police car, this child said. And I want a play phone and a play camera because I don't know where my camera is. All right. Another child, dear Santa, all I want for Christmas is a transformer. And by the way, my mom is on a diet, so we don't have cookies this year. We, you only have Cheez-Its to offer you. And also, don't forget my dog and cat. They love Christmas, too, and they would like a gift, right? Everybody wants something for Christmas, all they want for Christmas, and that's been our series. When it boils down, human nature, a lot of times all we want is four main qualities. One is hope, true, rock-solid hope. The other one is love, not just human love, but, but divine love and joy and peace. This morning, we're going to talk about the quality of joy. Do you think Christmas time is always automatically a joyful time for everyone? Could it be that there are some th things in people's lives that is not always joyful? I suspect there's a, a quite a bit of loneliness 
There might be people going through grief and loss. And then you, it's not always joyful to go to the, the shopping centers. The traffic's always snarling and people are impatient. There's a lot of bit of stress there. We got always family expectations, right? What they're expecting and what you should do. And we're surely not going to get much joy out of our professional football team, right? When they lose in overtime. But does anyone want some joy? And did you know that God is into joy? Now, when you look in the Bible, you'll see the word happiness is not really in there. But joy is. Because God is into joy. And he's the inventor of joy. Jesus endorsed joy. In John 17, he says, I have said these things to you so that your joy may remain, remain in me. We see that joy is one of the fruits of the spirits. The Apostle Paul would exhort his congregants, rejoice always. I say it again, rejoice. And if you read through the Bible, you realize that all joy comes from God. He's the author of joy. The writer James, in his letter, said it really well. Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of heavenly lights. Every good and perfect gift comes from the Father. So if you have experienced anything, you have anything that brings you joy, it's from God. God is into joy. He's like a father that loves his children. And most times fathers want to see their kids enjoying something. This is why fathers and parents sometimes go out of the way, maybe spend way too much money because you want your your children to enjoy. You want to see them uh, smiling and, and happy. Well, joy, though, comes in some categories. Uh, Sometimes a lot of joy is kind of, I would say, maybe a lower level of joy. It's kind of transient or temporary, sometimes just cheap or just short term. A lot of times we chase after kind of a a lower form of, of joy. Now, we have to get our next fix from a thrill, an item, a gadget, experience, What are we doing this weekend? Where's the next place I can feel happy? And then if we're not happy, we need to find some happiness to stay happy. Now, marketers understand this. Uh, They want you to be discontent. They want you chasing happiness. They want you not feeling joyful. And so you need to buy their product or do this thing or come here for have you to find some kind of fixation on a temporary joy. But I want to offer you this morning... What God offers is I would call it a higher joy, a higher form of joy. And a lot of times this has to do with God. It's a joy that's transcendent. It's a joy that's almost deeper, a higher, more divine. And when you enter in and practice this higher joy, you kind of practice a different perspective in life. And a lot of times it has to do with thanksgiving. A lot of times it has to do with perspective and purpose and fulfillment. Now, I'd like to take you in the Bible to an example of some people who experienced this higher, maybe divine joy. It's found in the Gospel of Luke, Luke chapter 1. Now, Luke chapter 1 is the forerunner of Luke 2, because Luke 2 is kind of the traditional Christmas story, if you're going to read it. The Christmas story is only found in Matthew and in Luke. And so Luke is a 
by profession, he was like a doctor. He's a very detail-oriented uh, person. He wrote the book of Acts. He documents everything. And so the first chapter of Luke is a long chapter. It's like 80 verses. And it really kind of records this journey of three people who are going to experience a high factor of joy, a godly factor of joy. One is Zechariah, and he's married to Elizabeth. And they're older in age. And then there's Mary, the future mother of Mary. So Luke shares this factor of how they experience higher joy. And hopefully we can glean some substance, some guidance to how we can also experience a higher joy. In the time of Herod, king of Judah, there was a priest named Zechariah who belonged to the priestly division of Abijah. His wife, Elizabeth, was also a descendant of Aaron. Both of them were righteous in the sight of God, observing the Lord's commandments and decrees blamelessly. Uh, obviously, it says, man, that they were really godly people. Uh, they tried to do everything right. In fact, uh, Zechariah was at the level of a priest, and he was on duty at the temple doing his priestly duties. But, he says, they were childless because Elizabeth was not able to conceive and they were both very old. Now, this is, this is sad. This is discouraging, especially in that culture in that day and time. Here's this, this lady, Elizabeth, that she's not able to conceive. And she probably feels like she's letting down her husband. Her relatives have probably been asking, what's wrong with you? And in the Jewish culture at that time, your, your lineage, your bloodline was almost everything. Everybody was kind of stacked up by the tribes and who your grandparents were. And, and your kids and names were very important. And here she was not able to carry on. And probably secretly, privately, she's walking around with a stigma. And maybe some of her peers are, what's wrong with you? You know, something wrong with you. God doesn't love you. God's, God's upset with you. And she can't do anything about it. Her husband's off at the temple trying to do his religious duties. Well, back at the temple, Luke says, an angel of the Lord appeared to him standing at the right side of the altar of the incense. When Zechariah saw him, he was startled and gripped with fear. But the angel said to him, do not be afraid, Zechariah, for your prayer has been heard. Your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you will call him John. Now, this is important because a lot of times, as parents, as you know, you want the privilege to name your kid what you want to name. But God had a specific name for their son named John because God had a plan, and God always has a plan. Even there are seasons and times in our life that doesn't seem like God is on our side. We don't understand why maybe we can't have a child or we don't understand why we're afflicted with this or this situation, but God always has a plan and God would weave his divine plan with these three personalities, these three characters. So he comes to Zechariah, scares him half to death. This angel says, by the way, your, your, your wife's going to have a, a baby and you need to call him John. And then he says, he will be a joy and a delight to you and many will rejoice because of his birth. He's going to be a joy and a delight to many. And it really kind of highlights how much our kids bring us joy. Have you ever noticed how we love our kids and how much satisfaction, fulfillment comes from just watching our kids or being around our kids? 
Some of you are thinking, well, you don't know my kid. Uh, you didn't see us this morning getting ready for church, and my child was not bringing much joy, okay? There was a lot of stress in my life, and sometimes it's true, absolutely. It's kind of like the mother who says, kid, you drive me crazy, but I couldn't imagine living without you. Couldn't imagine living without you. There's something magical, spiritual about connecting with children. George Strait, the country singer, wrote a song called I Saw God Today. Why did he write a song, I Saw God Today? Because in his song, it was about the birth of his baby girl. My brand new baby girl, she's a miracle. Now, I don't know what level George Strait is in his Christian faith, but he connected the dots, realized biologically and spiritually, God brought in his life an individual, personal, little human that would bless his life. And God, I saw God today. When we see our children, it doesn't take much, but they can bring a lot of joy into our life. There is a deep affection. And kids help remind us that many times, higher joy is found in the smallest things. Higher joy is found in the smallest things. When your child is, is dancing around and is smiling or giggling or praying, playing with their sibling or running through the sprinklers, that's not something you have to go pay for. That's not something you go to Disney World and buy off the shelf or order off of Amazon. It's free. It's, it's divine. It's this higher level of joy. And many times it's in the smaller things of life if we recognize and look for it, they can bring us some joy. As our kids grow up, you, you see them advance. You, they might get a good report card, or they help somebody, or the first time they don that little uh, sports uniform on, or that little dance outfit on, right? And, and it just fills your hearts. It reminds me of sometimes posting. I, I will see some mothers post this phrase that says, my heart is full. And there's a picture maybe of their kids or their family. They're holding hands or there's something simple. And they say, my heart is full. This is a, a picture of what higher joy is. And it's always not in the amusement parks. It's not always on the best and the biggest and the brightest. It's many times it's in the simple, small things that people that are living in the higher joy see. And kids can help us with that. Now, Zechariah, he, he has this experience with this angel. He goes home, he connects with his wife, and next thing you know, this older wife becomes pregnant. And she now starts experiencing this higher joy. In fact, Luke records some of her words. She says, the Lord has done this for me. And these days he has shown his favor and taken away my disgrace among the people. Man, there's some great relief. Uh, now she gets kind of joined the mother club, right? and get that stigma off of her, and, and she starts hoping and believing. But if you look at her words, she'll notice something. She connects her joy and her situation with God. The Lord has done this for me. The Lord. And in these days, he has shown his favor. And she gives us a huge principle and experience of higher joy, that higher joy revolves around God. She takes note that God's involved in her life. Yes, has there been seasons of discouragement, of disappointment? Absolutely. Has people gone through affliction? 
But what she's noting, that we can note, that even in the affliction, there is Emmanuel, the one that is with us. The Bible tells us that there is a good shepherd that walks with us through the dark valleys. There's an advocate that is with us. There is a Abba Father that helps us in our discouragement, in our disappointment. We are not alone. And even though the chips are down, and even though we're not running off and doing the greatest things, and there's all this happiness and thrills, we know that God is with us and that all things are going to work for the good. I like how Anne Frank shared in her diary. Anne Frank was a victim of the Holocaust and the Nazis. She hauled off to a consecration camp and eventually died. And in her diary, she said this, I don't think of all the misery, but of the beauty that still remains. I don't think of all the misery, but the beauty that still remains. In other words, Anne Frank was like, you know, I can't help but the darkness, but I'm going to make it a point to find the beauty in the small things, the good things of God, to live in that higher form of joy. Now, Luke, the writer, he switches to Mary's story. In Luke chapter one, this is where the angel shows up to this young Jewish girl. She's just behaving herself. She's engaged to Joseph. All of a sudden, this angel shows up and says, hey, guess what? You are highly favored. All the women, you're highly favored of God. And God wants to bring his son uh, through you. And you're eventually, he wants you to give birth to, to the son of God. She's like blown away. She's like, what are you talking about? And this is complicated. And I'm not sure how this is going to happen. And, and he says, now just relax because the Holy Spirit is, is going to cons- uh, hover over you and you will be with child. It's going to work out. And by the way, you remember your cousin Elizabeth? You probably haven't talked for each other. And Mary's like, yeah, she's kind of older cousin, right? Elizabeth, right? He says, she's with child and you're both going to be with child. And so, and her, her faith and her courage, um, young Mary says, okay, uh, I am the Lord's servant, she said, answered. May your words be fulfilled. She's willing to go along. She's not sure how she's going to break the news to Joseph, but angels taking care of that. That's in another portion of the Bible, all right? And so she's kind of, she's now with child. And she's feeling pretty hopeful and excited. So she wants to go see her cousin Elizabeth in the next town. So Luke records this. At the time Mary got ready and hurried down in the hill, in, in the hill country of Judah, where she entered Zechariah's home and greeted Elizabeth. I mean, once last time you like saw your cousin, you don't see each other too often, but now she's like, okay, the angel told me that you're pregnant and I'm pregnant. We got to get together. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leaped in her womb and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. I mean, there was a concussion and a, a collision of divine joy that came into that room and the Holy Spirit fully engulfed Elizabeth. She thought she was joyful then, man. The Holy Spirit just consumed her entirely. And the supernatural connection of joy between these two ladies, between these cousins and moms, and they are giddy with joy. And one of the factors is that there is an understanding that they are living in the will of God. They are now living in the will of God. It's no more doing our own thing. And I wish this is we are open for God to work. That's one of the principles of living a higher joy, to be obedient to God and let him work in our life, his will in our life. And these two ladies are experiencing that. And there is some satisfaction. 
and some fulfillment. Is there anxiety? Sure. Well, one of the ladies like, hey, man, I'm older in age. This could be difficult. The young one's like, man, I don't know what I'm doing. I'm, I'm really young. I didn't even ask for this, right? I got blindsided by the angel. So now they're in conversation. Luke, the writer, he continues, in a loud voice, she exclaimed, blessed are you among women. This is Elizabeth talking to young Mary. And blessed is the child, child you will bear. I, Elizabeth's also getting the memo that her young cousin is going to be the mother of the Savior, the Messiah. And she's communicating with, with her. But why am I so favored that the mother of my Lord should come to me? As soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. Leaped for joy. Blessed is she who has believed and that the Lord will fulfill her promise to her. In other words, thank you, Mary, for being obedient. Thank you, God is up to something and you're willing and I'm so happy. I'm seeing God in all of this thing. And by the way, my, my baby leaped for joy. Now, I've, I've never been pregnant. I don't plan to be pregnant, okay? But I've heard some mothers talk about this, this baby that's in their womb and the, the baby starts kicking and moving and, and, and all of a sudden this little baby starts doing backflips, jumping for joy. Now, if you haven't understood that this is John the Baptist, he's going to be the forerunner of Jesus. It's documented in the, in the, the Gospels. And here, John, he's all excited that the Son of God is right next to him. And maybe little baby John is in there thinking, oh, Jesus, we're going to have a good time. We're going to change the world together. I can't wait to get out of here. And so Luke then now starts recording what Mary does. And Mary, according to Luke 1, starts singing starts singing aloud, and, and God is her focus. And, and she says, oh, my soul glorifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices. The word rejoice means to exude or be exceedingly glad. Her soul, her being is so, if you will, happy or joyful in her life, in my God Savior, who has been mindful of my humble state of his servant. From now on, all generations will call me blessed. For the mighty one has done great things for me. Holy is his name. Holy is his name. Mary is filtering everything through God. She is connecting the dots. It's no more about her life, but God's life. And this is the satisfaction. This is the fulfillment that she's living in this higher joy. She sees that God is up to something. She's willing to team up with God. And by the way, she says, you know what? From now on, all generations will call me blessed. Now, is that not true? Did that come to fruition? That all generations, is there not more a famous woman in world history in all generations than the mother of Jesus, of Mary? Especially in the Roman Catholic tradition. I don't know exactly their theology, but I know Mary ranks really high. I mean, she's like right up there with Jesus, Mother Mary. I mean, they pray to Mary, right? I mean, there's all kinds of statues of Mary through the years. There's universities and hospitals named after Mother Mary through all generations. We call blessed, and that prophecy came to fulfillment. And there she is singing. Oh, my soul glorifies, my spirit rejoices because she's opening the windows to one of the principles to living in a higher joy, and that is thanksgiving. That higher joy always connects 
with praise and thanksgiving. It's because Mary's mind is more vertical than horizontal. Uh, she has a different perspective. I don't know if Albert Einstein was a believer. I don't think he was, but someone uh, found this quote by Albert Einstein that said, there are two ways to live. Get this. You can live as nothing is a miracle. You know, there's no miracles. There's no God. It's just man and talent and logic, right? Or you can live as if everything is a miracle. You can live as if everything is a miracle. In other words, Einstein says, man, I'm either just going to be an atheist or I can see God in almost everything from nature to logic to science to relationships to love. And before you know it, you start giving thanks. Before you know it, you have a different perspective. There's more joy. There's more hopeful in your life. Now, this doesn't always come automatic. Even for the preacher guy, it's not always automatic. I try to be a, a joyful, positive person. But, but personally, sometimes it's not always easy. There are difficulties, there are disappointments, there, there are some afflictions. But one of the things I've learned in life is try to train my brain. And part of that is to think of what I can praise God about. What am I thankful for? So almost every day I pause my life, I try to center in. And there's a couple of rituals that I do when I center in by myself. One of the things, I'm going to read some scriptures. I'm going to reflect on that. What is God trying to say to me? How is he going to encourage me? If there's any adjustments, right? I'm also going to raise my petitions. Uh, there's some things that might be burdening me, stressing me out about. I'm going to pray and say, God, help me with this. I'm also going to petition on people, things in people's lives, uh, uh, issues in others. Would you pray for me, et cetera? And part of that ritual is to take time to say, God, what are my blessings? To count my blessings, to be thankful. Sometimes it's, sometimes it's awesome and there's easy things, but sometimes you gotta stop and say, hey, okay, what am I thankful for? And uh, sometimes I start with the most simplest thing. I'm like, hey, my heater works. I got a warm house. Thank you very much, right? I got food in the refrigerator. Thank you very much. Hey, my, my truck started the other day. Thank you very much, right? My water heater, you know, go on. My family, thank you for my family. Hey, I got to do something that's kind of fun the other day. Thank you for that. All the way up to say, God, you are awesome, right? You so loved us. I don't understand, but you were willing to come to our world. You were willing to, to allow yourself to be crucified on the cross. You not just stayed in the tomb, but you rose and authenticated yourself as the one true God. There is a power available in the resurrection. You, you uh, offered the Holy Spirit to empower me. I, I can navigate. I can take on the challenges of life through your Holy Thank you very much. And before you know it, my mental health is in a different place. It's much more healthier. Before I know it, I'm not as grumpy. I, I'm not going to be so critical because I've been in the, the mood of a higher joy of being thankful. And if you become a connoisseur, you start thinking about the good things of God and taking note. It's small things to the big things to the simple things. Before you know it, you don't need all the thrills. You don't have to be chasing this and that thrill and stuff that you can say, hey, man, I, I got life pretty good. Even though I, I'm not like super rich and doing all these exotic things, God is good. And your mental health and your disposition, my family's like, thank you. So taking some time to have a higher joy in your life. That's what Mary was doing in her song. Now, the scriptures continued that Mary and Elizabeth stayed together <coughs> for three months. Here's these two pregnant women, right? These cousins, one of them older. She's like, whoo, this is going to be a chore. I'm a little older, young. I don't know what I'm doing either, but let's stick together. And they're living in this higher form of, of joy. <clears throat> now, Luke goes back to the husband, 
Zechariah guy, what is he doing, right? You know what he's doing according to Luke 1? He's singing also. So we got Mary's song and we got Zechariah's song in Luke 1. Now that should tell us something too about joy and a higher form of joy that a lot of times music and the arts really accentuate higher joy. God gives us the gifts of music and arts. Can I get an amen, right? Some of you are much more into music and and arts, and it's not a gift. There's something about music. There's something about musicians and voices and songs. And, you know, let's just face it. You know, most of you would have came for the kids and the music rather than me, right? I mean, we love music, and God helps us to have joy through music. You know, there's secular music, right? Some of you like pop. Some of you like rock. Some of you like country, you know? And that brings us some joy. Uh, there's some good stuff. And, and uh, truth of the matter, uh, you know, the, the, the secular songs, they're, they're mostly geared around us, right? They're mostly geared around self-gratification, what gives us thrill. But when you get to worship music, it's about God. It's much bigger, more transcendent than just a temporary self-fulfillment. But God things, and that's a joy also. So we have Mary singing, we got Zechariah singing, and here's what Zechariah is singing. Praise be to the Lord, the God of Israel, because he has come to his people and redeemed them. He has raised up a horn of salvation for us. Salvation means something has to be saved. Something is in peril. And now he's realizing God's raising up, doing something to save us. And we're going to learn it's not just a political salvation, not a financial salvation, but a spiritual salvation. And you, my child, now he's thinking about this little baby, this John character that's in his wife's belly. You'll be called a prophet of the Most High. For you will go on before the Lord and prepare a way for him. And he would. He, John, would be the John the Baptist, the proclaimer. He would be the one that identifies Christ, introduces him to society and says, that man then, he's a lamb of God. And God would ask John the Baptist to baptize him. He would be the real deal, and Zechariah, this father, is in a higher level of joy because he realizes my kid's going to amount to something. My kid's going to be awesome. He's going to be famous. You know, there is a joy and a satisfaction to realize your grandkids or your kids are doing something to bless and help people. Some go into vocations that's just not about making money, but it's about helping people in different vocations. Um, And that's part of maybe a level of higher joy, that it's not all about thrills and expenses and things, but it's just a understanding, hey, my my kid's helping people. What a joy. What a a satisfaction. I was reading an article a couple years ago about, mm, I don't know, parenting boys or or kids, and one of the things that we're notorious to ask teenagers is, hey, what are you going to do when you grow up, right? And they're like, I don't know. Uh, there's a better way to maybe ask. And they suggested this question. When you grow up, what problem would you like to fix? What problem would you like to, a solution that you'd like to be a part of? I thought, man, that's awesome, right? It's not so much about them, but, but it's about adding value. And this is what uh, Zechariah is experiencing here as he's singing the song and he continues on. He says, and to give people the knowledge of salvation through the forgiveness of their sins. To give salvation through the forgiveness of sins. Now, all his peers and his family members and his neighbors are like, you know what we really need down here in Jerusalem 
is we need a politician to overcome those corrupt Roman Caesars. They've been oppressing us and hurting us. And what God, if he's going to deliver us and bring salvation, it's going to be militarily. We need to get back into prominence, back in the Old Testament, King David and the temple. And he didn't say that. He said, man, my, my son's going to help usher in salvation. And that's the forgiveness of sin. Because he's realized humanity, the greatest need for humanity is not more politicians. It's not more financial advisors. It's not more uh, educators. It's not more physicians. Our greatest need is ourself. Because we all inherit a sin nature that if left undone, we can corrupt ourselves and become very egotistic, very selfish. And before we know it, we're taking advantage of people. We are uh, offending God. And our greatest need is our sin need. And God so loved the world that he said, I'm going to send my son that is going to deal with the inner, not the outer. And if we get the soul corrected, if we get that cleansed and changed, then there's going to be a new birth and a new hope that a perspective and a way of life and how we treat people is going to be different. So he sent himself as the savior from ourself, our sins. I've noticed that many times we don't have a higher level of joy because we've never dealt with that sin in our heart. We've learned to be good people. We tried to be responsible. We tried to have some thrills once in a while. But down here, we're like, yeah, I'm just going to do my own thing. And there's since self, sin. We can have a decent life without being, having our sins forgiven. It's kind of like walking around with a little pebble in your shoe. You can function through life. You can smile on your face. You can, you can have a, a party and everything's great, right? But the whole time you're like, mm, there's still something that is not resolved. And that's the sin in our heart. And if you've never had that resolved, if you never come to the point to recognize it, own it, and say, you know, I am a sinner. I, I've offended God. I, I, I can't save myself. I can't be righteous enough. I need God's holy atonement. That's why we have a cross. That's why he came to the cross. Only he can forgive us. And by faith, I'm going to reach out to God and say, God, I need you to forgive me. Cleanse me. I invite you into my life. I invite you into my soul. I want you to live in me. I want to live for you. I want to be on the right track with you. That's the hope we talked about two weeks ago, that we have a rock solid, true hope not in the things of this world, not in our bank account, not in our relationships, but our relationship with God. And when that gets settled, man, we're at peace. We don't need all the parties. We don't need all the thrills. Those are nice. They're, they're gifts from God. But, you know, we, we're right with God. We, we can press through life knowing there's a peace and a joy in our life. Have you ever said that prayer before? Have you ever got serious with God and said, God, I, I got to address my greatest need, and that's me. I have a tendency to be selfish. I have a tendency to go outside your boundaries and do my own thing, and I'm sorry. I invite you to do that this season. Well, I've lived long enough that I've seen people experience some really cool stuff. I've had the joy to, to experience some fun stuff and some thrills, and there's all these vacations and presents and gifts and gadgets and vehicles and homes, and, and it's awesome to live up there and the and the exotic, maybe thrilly stuff. But I've noticed that when that thrill is done and you've experienced that expensive thing for a while, there's still a disposition of, of a lower joy. Sometimes it shows up in just being selfish or grumpy. Sometimes there's a joy of feeling sorry for ourselves. And we haven't experienced that higher 
joy. A joy that comes from God. A joy that revolves around God. And God offers this joy. A joy that, that encompasses praise and thanksgiving. It's a joy that realize that all joy comes from God. And if there's some things that come my way, may, maybe you got a Christmas bonus or somebody you know, gave you a diamond necklace or something. That's all some good stuff from God. We, we appreciate that. But the small things, but they don't always have to be chasing the thrills. We can look at simple children, maybe with a, with a little angel outfit on, say, man, that warms my heart. We can see our, our, our kids maybe opening some presents and, and they're, they're smiling. It just thrills my heart. These are the higher forms of joy. So I want to challenge you today as, as you leave or maybe you're watching online, challenge you to be a connoisseur of God things, a connoisseur of God things, to try to think vertical, to think vertical of God things and just see people and issues and be thankful. Sometimes the smallest things, often, say, God, thank you. I, I, I got some income. I got a family. We're not full of cancer. We're, we, we're doing well. Thank you very much. And, and just see how God is moving in the community or, or, or the blessings and the, the, the simple things in your life. Sometimes to be, hey, God, if it wasn't for you, where would I be? Hey, God, thank you for coming to our world this is what all the lights are about. These were all the, the radio stations changing their tunes and the presence. It's all about you. Next thing you know, being a connoisseur of God, your level of joy and happiness almost is, is raised into a God level. So I want to encourage you to just be more proactive of, of looking for God things in the big and in the small. And I want to leave you with this practice that the, the last generation uh, would use in the church. It's a phrase. And a lot of times preachers and the congregants would respond with this phrase. And the phrase is this. <clears throat> that God is good all the time. And all the time, God is good. You ever heard that before? Right? Now, why would the preacher and the people say that together? God is good all the time, and all the time God is good. Because a lot of times the world will crunch us, man, that, that it's tough out there, and we've been uh, taken advantage of, and I'm not happy. It's training the mind to say, God, even in the small things, you're good. Even though I don't understand why I can't maybe conceive or why I didn't get that promotion or, or someone hurt me, I'm going to believe by faith that you're good all the time, and all the time, God is good. All right, so this is how we're going to end the service. I want you to stand, and I'm going to say it, the first part, and then you got to respond back to me with your voices um, that all the time, God is good. All right, you ready? All right, God is good all the time, and all the time, God is good. Amen. Let's pray together. Oh, God, help us to just enter into this thinking of how good you are. It starts with Christmas, that you did not have to come, but you did come on our behalf, that our greatest need, God, is our sin issue, our selfishness, and that you died on the cross for us, God, that we could have a new life in you, that we do not have to drag around our old sin and regrets and embarrassments, that we can have new life in you, to follow you and to thrive in you with a higher level of joy. Help us to be connoisseurs, God, of the simple things, the God things, 
Help us to see what you see in other people, in nature, in this world, that we might live in your joy, God. We ask it in your power, in your name of Jesus Christ. Amen and amen. Well, God bless. Thanks for viewing us today and worshiping. You're dismissed.